0: This podcast is brought to you by VinZero. VinZero pioneers solutions and services to the AEC and manufacturing industries to support net zero targets. Visit VinZero.com to learn more about how organizations design, build and solve through digitalization. From VinZero to you, welcome to our Think Future podcast series. Each week we'll share conversations with industry leaders from around the world to find out how they're thinking future. Subscribe to VinZero Think Future access to more episodes, interviews and profiles. Esther Sperber founded Studio ST Architects in 2004 in New York City. Their award-winning design work includes synagogues, apartments, Multifamily housing, schools, and art galleries. Their projects combine renovation with adaptive reuse, and she joins us today to talk about the rewarding results that are being achieved for clients and communities as Manhattan shifts towards a sustainable built environment. Welcome to the program, Esther.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Esther Studio ST are doing some interesting projects across Manhattan, utilising renovation with sustainability in mind. What can you tell us about those projects?
1: In general in architecture, often the more glamorous projects are the ones where you start from scratch, where you're building a new building out of the ground. We do some of those projects, but the vast majority of our projects are actually renovations of existing structures. And I find that this is a area that doesn't get enough attention and credit because as we know, so much of the built environment is already existing. And trying to bring things up to become more energy efficient and more sustainable has a lot to do with figuring out how to take these old structures that are already built and revitalizing them, making them work for 21st century uses. And that's one of the things we've been focusing on, trying to take these older buildings and make them work for our current clients. We, for example, just finished two large renovations of synagogues. One is in Manhattan, as you mentioned, and one is actually near Chicago in a town called Skokie. The synagogue in Manhattan is a building from 1927. It's a really solid building with some really beautiful details. But many of the things that we care about today were not something that was paid attention to 100 years ago. So, There are many things that need to be brought up to code. There are some safety things like smoke alarms and sprinklers and things like that that we feel are important in order to have a safe building. There's also the energy efficiency in terms of replacing lighting with LED lights, bringing things to the comfortable light level so that older people can enjoy their experience and be able to see properly putting in new heating and air conditioning systems, putting in a new air conditioning system is actually making it more energy efficient because the patchwork of old pieces of equipment from different times and with different types of refrigerant fluids that are no longer up to code can make buildings actually very inefficient. So in a way, you can make the building both more efficient and more comfortable at the same time by bringing it up to current standards. It's really exciting when you can take a building that's existing and keep the bones of it, keep the spirit of it, most of the structure, but then do these improvements in it. So what are the
0: key elements required for encouraging your clients to reuse or renovate rather than build new?
1: I think many of our clients, once we start discussing this topic, are quite amenable to this. I think there are a number of key items that make them excited about renovating their building. I think if you start with the first thing, often there is obviously a budget question, like, can they afford to start from scratch or not? And many times, renovating the existing building will be more cost effective. So that's always an easy in. But there's, I think, a lot more to that. So I think many of our clients, especially the institutional clients, schools and community centers and synagogues, as I mentioned, feel like part of their mission is to be good citizens of the world, to try to tread lightly on the planet, provide Ethical behavior in all aspects of their institution. They care a lot about people. They care a lot about community. As soon as you tell them that this is an opportunity to be more sustainable by keeping large parts of the building, by being more specific about what parts of the building need to be demolished and what parts can be kept, talking about insulating water lines and making windows um, that are more efficient, um, it's usually quite easy to convince these people. And it's also quite easy for them to then go out to their members and communities and do the fundraising that they often need to do because everyone wants to do the right thing, especially if it's something that they can afford to do. So for all of our clients, once they know that doing the right thing is going to also enhance their mission and give them a beautiful and functional building. They're very excited about it. Another part of this that sometimes is a little underappreciated is that many clients are actually emotionally attached to their buildings. It's not just that They want to keep the building because it's less expensive than tearing it down and building a new building. There's like an institutional memory, there's an institutional emotional attachment to some of these structures. And the idea that they can keep it and at the same time make it work for them is really exciting for them. And so, when it comes to that type of
0: emotional attachment you're describing, what's been one of the more rewarding projects recently?
1: When it comes to the emotional attachment, I think. Some of the synagogue projects I've done have been the most rewarding, and it's very gratifying to see the congregation coming back into a building after it's been renovated and making new use of it. So in some buildings, our synagogue that we renovated in Skokie, they had this very large sanctuary that could seat a few hundred people, but it was designed in the early 60s. So people sat in rows a little bit like in a movie theater with fixed seats, and the rabbi and the cantor and the choir would stand up on this big stage. At this time, the congregation has a very different attitude. It's much more egalitarian. It's much more community-centered. It's much less hierarchical. And they wanted the person who leads the services to kind of stand in the middle and people to sit much closer up and participate. And so the ability to take that space and convert it into something that meets their current needs, but still keeps this building that people um, have been praying in for, you know, almost 80 years, 60 years is really meaningful for the congregation. And to bring back the beauty that was in that original structure while peeling off all the kind of parts that no longer suit us to be a really great way to transform the space. So
0: typically, when you start talking with a client about this type of transformative project, how do they react initially?
1: Our clients are usually both anxious and very excited about these big transformational projects. I think they know that there is a potential for transforming their institution and their ability to provide services and be a community. Center, But they're also very concerned about how much time and how much it's going to cost. In terms of the sustainable aspects of it, I feel like it's almost a no-brainer at this point. This isn't something that was true maybe 10 years ago. People really get that this is something that we must pay attention to. And I think they're committed to trying to do their own best with their own real estate and abilities. I think they feel like this is not only something that they personally are committed to, but also something that they feel institutionally committed to and as a society. You know, it's interesting because in different places in the world, there's been recent climate calamities. And I think sometimes you're in one place and you feel a little insulated from it and you kind of see it in the news and it's happening somewhere far away. But we here in New York just last week had this kind of very apocalyptic experience where these hundreds of forest fires in Canada created a billowing cloud of smoke that was driven down towards the whole northeast of the US. And being told that you're not supposed to go outdoors and you should wear a mask and closing schools because of fires that are happening on the same continent, but in a different country, is something that really, I think, drove home how urgent it is for us to all pay attention to this and how interconnected we are. No city or state or country or continent are kind of spared from what's happening around the globe. So it becomes a almost moral and ethical commitment of our clients and of our profession as architects to try to address these issues.
0: What are some of the critical challenges for these type of projects that you take on?
1: One of the challenges is that, even while you're trying to tread lightly on the planet, there are there are aspects of bringing a building up to current standards and current codes and adapting it to the uses that we're expecting now. There are aspects of that that definitely have impact. And a lot of our projects include a certain portion of, demolition of existing parts of the building, walls, ceilings, floors, structure, old plumbing fixtures. And I think one of the challenging things is trying to find ways to dispose of these things or reuse some of them in an efficient and ethical way. Where do you think
0: the efficiencies are gained when it comes to providing these types of renovation works for your clients?
1: There are many different levels in which I think we see these efficiencies. So I think the first part of it is in the functional uses of the spaces. We can try to rethink how buildings are organized and make them work better for our clients and also shift functions from things that used to be needed to what we need now and tailor the focus to the kind of spaces our clients want. So, for example, many years ago, there are many things that were less culturally necessary. So things like non-gendered bathrooms, coat rooms, space to just stand and chat with your friends in, in a synagogue that was kind of come in, participate in the service and leave. But then there are also the other kinds of efficiencies. So I think we really want to look at energy efficiencies of buildings in terms of when we replace windows, we can get integrated you know UV protection and low e coatings on all our glass with the new air conditioning systems obviously they every new generation of hvac equipment is more efficient and we can in apartments that we do we can the funny thing about new york is you can buy an apartment for many millions of dollars that doesn't have any air conditioning and doesn't have a washing machine either and definitely doesn't have parking. It's one of those crazy things about living in Manhattan. But all the old buildings still have window air conditionings, which are noisy and inefficient in many different ways. But when we replace six or eight of those window units with one central system, the energy that they're using is equivalent to one of those window units. So we're bringing it up to code. We're eliminating all the Heat loss that we have in the winter because most people just don't take those window units out in the winter. So it's almost like they have an open window and they just crank up the heat. Then, of course, there's thermal efficiency in terms of any kind of exterior walls or roofs that we can redo and improve the efficiency and the functions of those buildings. So those things are really very important to us and resonate with our clients. We also really like to try to select new materials that we know are healthier, both for the inhabitants and for the planet. So obviously avoiding VOCs, the kind of wood treatment that we use, the kind of fabrics, all of that is something that we pay a lot of attention to. And then I think lastly, there's the wellness aspect. So there are so many different ways to rate buildings, and we're not so focused on the ratings, but in terms of the sensibility of what we're trying to achieve. There are the environmental efficiencies of the building, but then there's also the wellness experience of the people using the building. And that, I think, is equally important to us. And in that sense, we can do a lot to improve the the experiences, bringing in daylight, which obviously is also helps with the energy because we don't need to light the space as much, but also really allows people to see what time of day and what season of the year they're in. At our Skokie Synagogue, we actually replaced these very dim kind of fake stained glass windows. They were actually made out of plexiglass with new windows that are double glazed and also operable. So people, I think post-pandemic, people are very aware of having fresh air of the ability to open windows, which I think a lot of buildings were not focused on in the past. So we can open all the windows and bring in fresh air when the weather is good. It has kind of lovely weather in the spring and fall and even in the summer. Um, And then we put in a very large triangular skylight over the main um, sanctuary prayer space um, that really allows you to experience the time, the, it, while you're sitting in prayer, you can see the sun setting and the, um, and the sun shining on nice days. You can see the weather. You can see it when it's raining and when it's spring. So um, that really elevates the experience of the people in the space. Um, so those are additional things that I feel are very important and something we try to focus on.
0: Are you looking for a
1: digitalization
0: and net zero partner to help you achieve your goals? join the thousands of AEC and manufacturing customers globally who have turned to VinZero to start their journey toward a net zero future. With 32 offices around the world, VinZero can connect you to the right technologies and workflow processes, so you can maintain your competitive position and increase profitability. VinZero has an industry expert to help you navigate the best pathway forward, wherever you are on your digitalization and net zero journey. Visit binzero.com to find out more. So, we've talked quite a lot about synagogues and institutional renovation work. What are some of the trends you are seeing in the design space when it comes to commercial or residential applications in Manhattan?
1: Some of the new trends that we're seeing actually came out of people's experience with the pandemic, where we realised how much we need outdoor spaces. So, we recently completed a an apartment building, a ground up multifamily building in Jersey City, which is right across the Hudson River from um, downtown Manhattan. And we actually designed it in 2019. So not yet knowing what we now know, but our client was very future thinking in the sense that he wanted every tenant, there are 10 apartments in a commercial space on the ground floor. He wanted every apartment of in the building to have access to private outdoor space, and also some communal spaces. And so each apartment has a nice little terrace, either overlooking the street or overlooking the backyard and the kind of roof view of uh, Jersey City. There are two apartments on the ground floor that have the use of the backyard. And then we have some communal shared spaces. We have a portion of the roof, which is a green roof, which is in order to make the building more sustainable and part of the Jersey City new zoning requirement. And the rest of the roof is kind of a shared outdoor space for tenants with seats and picnic tables and actually a little vegetable garden that people can get their own planter box and grow tomatoes. We also have a little gym that people can use. And then a few other things that were added were the very spacious bike room in the basement to encourage people to commute using bicycles. We made a a bike room with a room for about two or three bikes per family. And this turned out to be not only, uh, again, I think I'm going back to the theme of when you do the right thing, it's also often financially or functionally productive. This turned out to be a a great selling thing for the owner. And these are rental apartments. They all rented out within the first week that he put them on the market. And the tenants are incredibly happy about it. These amenities.
0: So it certainly seems to be a theme there for concern over well-being when it comes to the design elements.
1: Yeah, I see that very much in our residential interiors in Manhattan. We do a lot of very large apartments, often they're combination duplexes or side-by-side combinations of apartments. And I think there's a real trend towards looking for a kind of simplicity, a a kind of clarity in the design. I think using natural materials is something that I see many of our clients gravitating towards, real woods, beautiful fabrics. People want to know where these materials came from and what they're made out of. There's a sense that we know what wood is and stone and glass, and then there are all kinds of other materials that we just kind of don't really know what they are and we'd rather avoid in our homes. I've also seen some kind of return to more ancient traditions. In a few of our projects, we've been looking at uh, Tadillact, which is a traditional Moroccan plaster that's waterproof that can be used now in instead of tile, instead of porcelain tile or stone in bathrooms. So you can use this as the finish coat in your shower or tub and it's not maintenance free, but it is designed to have some kind of upkeep, but to really ha- be a living, breathing material that has ties to a real ancient craftsmanship. And there are other types of interesting plasters that we've seen people gravitate towards. And I think that's an interesting shift from maybe 10 or 20 years ago this return to the natural materials and an emphasis on wellness and health.
0: It certainly is. So what challenges still need to be solved, do you think?
1: So buildings still contribute about 30% of emissions. And so our carbon footprint is still very heavy. And this is something that we all need to work on getting better at. Obviously, architects have a part in this, industry has a part in this. The political and legislators have part in this. And I think this is a kind of world collaborative project. It's not something that any one of us can do, but I think we have to learn and become better at it. I think there's a lot of research and technology and innovation that's happening. And I think that's going to help us and bring some breakthroughs that we might not know about yet. Much like we had the journey from incandescent bulbs that were incredibly inefficient. And then we were all excited about fluorescence, which were much more efficient. And then, you know, boom, we have LED lights, which are 100 times more efficient than the fluorescents. And, you know, I have faith in our human ability to innovate and find solutions. And so I think that type of progress is going to happen in other areas as well. I think the other part that Is challenging for us as architects is the ability to find out information about where materials came from and what kind of ingredients are in that cooked dish that we're using. And I think of this a lot like in the food industry. I think, you know, many years ago, there was a lot less awareness of knowing how much sugar, how much trans fats are in food. And now almost everything is labeled and even restaurants in New York have to tell you how many calories are in different dishes. I mean, fast food restaurants, chain restaurants. And I am imagining that the building industry is moving into that direction in which there's more transparency and more information that will allow us to make more ethical and more sustainable, more responsible choices. So I think that kind of information would give us the carbon footprint information about various materials, where it came from, how it was produced. We want to make sure that we're not taking advantage of people in other countries. So I think all that information, once it's more available to all of us, will really drive industry to a more ethical and more sustainable direction.
0: So in addition to renovation projects, what do you think can be done to increase the adoption for, say, adaptive reuse
1: projects? So the way Uh, We usually kind of differentiate between renovations and adaptive reuse is renovations are usually buildings that exist and we're reusing them in the same way by the same function, whereas adaptive reuse is taking existing structures and finding new ways of using them. And I think there are a lot of opportunities for that. And I think we do need to encourage owners and clients and, and developers to do more of that. One of the interesting things that people are thinking about right now has to do with office spaces because as people have moved towards working at least part-time from home, um there's a lot less need in Manhattan for some of the Midtown office buildings and there's a, a reduced demand for that. And trying to think about what those spaces could be used for and how to efficiently convert them from office spaces to Low income or affordable housing, or schools, or other kinds of functions, is I think a really interesting thing. And I think there are um, design innovations that are going to have to be implemented. I think we're going to have to figure out how to use spaces that were made for one for one use in a creative way and use them for something else. And then I think also we need our cities and and you know, approval process to encourage this and make it give the developers or the clients who are doing these adaptive reuse projects, give them incentives to not tear down these buildings and rather find ways to make them work for new uses. So
0: Esther, when you think future about architecture and
1: sustainability
0: and the combination of the two, what is it that excites you the most?
1: I think The idea of thinking about the future, you know, what your mission here is, is in itself an exciting project. I think often architects look towards the past in many ways. It's a very ancient profession. And in some ways, it hasn't changed. We're still trying to make space for people to, you know, live with their families or work or meet with their communities. Some parts of it are both culturally and on a kind of personal level, very ancient. But I think we do need to look towards a future in which we are more responsible towards the earth, towards our fellow people, towards um, people in in other continents that are suffering because of our kind of extravagance in terms of our carbon footprint in first world countries. And so I'm excited about the new innovations that I am sure are going to happen. And I'm excited about the ideas of looking towards preserving existing buildings, renovating them, adapting them, becoming something that is more visible towards a larger public, something that is recognized and appreciated and and gets the kind of Photos in the magazines that often are reserved for the kind of flashy new building. So I think once we as a society can shift our view from trying to always build the latest and shiniest new building to trying to preserve some things that are already there, I think we will be able to shift our industry in the right direction.
0: Well, Esther, it's certainly great to have organisations like ST Studio helping us to tread lightly on the planet and I thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful talking to you.
0: This podcast was brought to you by VinZero. VinZero helped the AEC and manufacturing industries keep pace with digital change and achieve their technological and sustainability leadership goals. VinZero is a company that cares about creating and building a better world. Together, we are working with industry and environmental experts providing forums and platforms through our VinZero Think community to create conversations that matter to our future generations. We invite you to join in the conversation and participate in our Think community. Like and subscribe to Think Future to stay up to date with the latest innovations and conversations as we take AEC and manufacturing around the world closer to zero. You can download our podcasts at VinZero.com or from your favourite podcast platform. From VinZero Think Future, thanks for listening.